St. Benedict takes the last sentence of the parable, uh, assuming uh, that his monks will uh, refer to the rest of the parable and indeed to uh, its context in the 14th chapter of St. Luke. St. Benedict's choice of this parable suggests that the call to the monastic life is like an invitation to a wedding feast. We sometimes lose that. Uh, it's, it's remarkable that St. Benedict here is presenting the monastic vocation as a summons to a wedding feast. One entering the monastery does well to take the very last place. It is an immense grace and a sign of God's predilection to have been called to the monastic life. For it is, in effect, a foreshadowing and a foretaste of that heavenly banquet concerning which St. John heard these words, Blessed are they that are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. That could well be inscribed above uh, the door of uh, the novice ship. Blessed are they that are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. The only response worthy of such an invitation is a profound humility. But when thou art invited, invited to the monastic life, go sit down in the lowest place, that when he who invited thee cometh, he may say to thee, friend, go up higher. In entering the monastery, the logic of the world is turned upside down, and the logic of the Magnificat becomes operative. He hath showed might in his arm, he hath scattered the proud in the conceit of their heart, he hath put down the mighty from their seat, and hath exalted the humble. He hath filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he hath sent empty away. I eluded yesterday to the resonance of the Magnificat with the whole drama of the Book of Judith, which we began to read yesterday at Matins. This fits perfectly with what follows the parable of the wedding feast. Our Lord draws his conclusion and so illustrates the mystery of the divine hospitality. So one has to read not only yesterday's parable, but what follows it. When thou makest dinner or supper, call not thy friends, nor thy brethren, nor thy kinsmen, nor thy neighbors who are rich, lest perhaps they also invite thee again, and a recompense be made to thee. But when thou makest feast, call the poor, the maimed, the lame, and the blind. St. Benedict would have us understand that the monastery is a hospice, wherein poor and fragile sinners become the house guests of God. A monastic vocation is a call to experience the divine hospitality. 
For this to happen, there is but one thing required, that a man go to the last and lowest place, and that he remain there, trusting that at the appointed hour, he will find himself lifted up to a higher place by the strong and gentle arm of God, mindful of his mercy. Sushetit Israel puerum sum recordatus misericordiae sue. I point out to you the resonances between the sushipe of our monastic profession and this verse of the Magnificat. Sushipe me domine. Take thou me to thyself, O Lord. It's translated in any number of ways. Receive me, sustain me, pick me up, even. Uh, but I, I rather like, take thou me to thyself. Sushipe me domine. Secundum eloquium tuum et and let me not be disappointed in my expectation. And in the Magnificat, Sushevi Israel Puerum he hath taken Israel, his child, to himself, being mindful of his mercy. This is the very discovery that St. Therese made. We're making the novena to St. Therese these days. And she writes, in rich homes, there are elevators that replace stairs to great advantage. I would also like to find an elevator to lift me up to Jesus, because I'm too little to climb the rough staircase of perfection. The elevator that must lift me up to heaven is your arms, Jesus. For that, I don't need to become big. On the contrary, I have to stay little. Uh, one smiles at this passage of St. Therese, and yet, in its simplicity, uh, it uh, reveals uh, the, the very principle of uh, evangelical perfection. The man who comes to the monastery thinking that he will ascend the staircase of perfection with great strides, and so arrive before everyone else at the summit of perfection, will be shocked when he, uh, when the one who invited him comes and says to him, give this other man place. Then, as the Gospel says, the man who put himself forward, trusting in his virtue, will blush with shame and skulk down to the lowest place, to the lowest place where Khan was waiting for him all along. It is a sign, uh, this, this uh, occurrence of the beginning of chapter 7, uh, falling as it does uh, at the beginning of a whole series of feasts that are going to speak to us of littleness humility and poverty because next week we shall have the Feast of St. Therese that of the Holy Guardian Angels on both days uh, spiritual childhood will be set 
before us. On the third, uh, the feast of Blessed Columbo Marmion, who speaks to us always of the bosom of the Father. The bosom of the Father. On the fourth, St. Francis, again, evangelical humility and poverty. Uh, and so I find it wonderful that we should have these uh, feast days uh, coincide with our reading of chapter 7. The abbot is obliged to confront the man who thinks himself perfect, who places himself, oh, he would never do it outwardly, but inwardly, who places himself in the first place, because in his estimation, this is where he merits to be. One doesn't necessarily have to come and usurp uh, the first places in the chapter. No, one can very well sit at the last place and inwardly be putting oneself in the first place. The first place is never won. It is never merited. It is freely offered to the one who thinks himself least deserving of it. By the grace of God, I am what I am. By the grace of God, I am where I am. The great patriarch of Western monasticism smiles at the little Carmelite Lisieux, the youngest doctor of the church. Saint Benedict would have each of us learn and live the song of spiritual childhood. Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised from the earth. My mind does not dwell on high things, on marvels that are beyond my reach. Bear me witness that I kept my soul ever quiet, ever at peace. The thoughts of a child on its mother's breast, a child's thoughts, were all my soul knew. And I'm rather fond of Monsignor Knox's translation. Child's thoughts were all my soul.